Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you again, and we've already had such a great welcome here, and uh, we just love coming to this church. We love your pastors, and we just uh, connect very, very easily, very, very well. And uh, we've been up in in San Jose with a Chinese church up there, and uh, most of the work I do is among Asians, among Chinese people. I've got a real uh, passion for Asian people, and I've been going up into... Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Taiwan, and this year into China, uh, just uh, because just, there's such an openness and hunger among people. And so this time we were in the biggest uh, Chinese church in America. They've come out from Taiwan, and they've planted uh, their churches somewhere 3,000 plus or something, but they've planted churches through America and then across other nations. So we came to minister to them and have a, have a, a time of encouragement, help their leaders, help pray for some of the pastors. So it's just a great opportunity to come here, and we're just so glad to come and be with you. And uh, uh, just so I can get an idea again, how many were at any of the meetings we were with last time? It just, oh, there's quite a few of you, okay. All right then, there'll be others who'll be looking. <laughs> this kind of, the area we want to talk about is uh, often not talked about in the church, you see. So as soon as you start to talk about evil spirits and bondage, people kind of freak out and sort of move off like it's sort of something new or different. But, you know, about a third of Jesus' ministry was all around this. And uh, it doesn't matter who you are, devils are not fussy. I remember I was in a, one of my first experiences. I was in a church in Washington. I won't name the church, a pretty big church there. But we went to this church, and, uh, and uh, the pastor's wife wanted me to help. I, th- I think she invited us there because of her family was in a state and needed ministry. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, ended up, ended up in this woman's conference. And uh, so I, st- and there was a whole lot of different people there, men and women. Anyway, we started to minister. I had a word of knowledge or two. And first lady that came out, I just prayed for her. And she fell on the ground, started growling and rolling around. Her eyes flared. She looked like something out of a movie. And, uh, and uh, the, the pastor's wife said, is that a demon? I said, well, have a look. You've never seen eyes like that in anyone, have you? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, but that's my chief intercessor. I said, well... Apparently the demons don't really worry who you are, what time you carry, they don't mind where you are, they still get in. So she got set free and I thought, well, you know, I'll try one more. So I had another word and another guy came out there and we prayed for him and pretty well similar thing happened, it was quite wild actually. And when it's like that, it's because God's trying to show something to people. It's not because it normally, ha- it doesn't always happen at all, it can be delivered quite easily. Anyway, he fell on the ground growling and snarling and, and his eyes glaring with hate and and uh, she says, he got a demon. And I said, well, look at that. You know, look at, have you ever seen him looking like that? You know, and, the, the, and you could see the change in the countenance and the eyes, particularly in the eyes, you could see the hate that was there, cold, pure hate. It's like a wild animal, which it really is, the demon. And uh, so she said, but he's my chief deacon. I said, well, again, it doesn't seem to matter who people are, does it? The demons aren't fussy who they get into. And, uh, but what it does show is no matter what positioning you have in the church, you can still have baggage. And it needs the ministry of Jesus to come and set us free. And so uh, we've got a morning together, and I just want to thank you for, uh, for investing in yourself and making this time to come and be here. And uh, we'll share with you from the Word of God. What I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do two teaching sessions, and, uh, because I think it's always helpful if you've got a, a word base for what we're going to be talking about. And so you can follow this. If you uh, don't want, like taking notes or anything like that, what you can do is uh, just go on our website, uh, Mike Connell Ministries, and you can download a manual on it all. So it's this manual here that I'm using. I actually won't use it. I'm, I'm doing something else from it. 
but you can just download and free access to any of the materials there. So please feel free to do that. Nothing, it's all free. And uh, because we want people to be blessed. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who don't know us, it's my beautiful wife of many, many years now. What are we, 2000? That's uh, 43 years, is it? Wonderful. Amen. 43. Yeah. My one and only love. And uh, she, was a, she was raised in a brethren background. I was raised in a Catholic background. And uh, so we had many a conflict before we could get married, as you can imagine. <laughs> like Southern Baptists and Catholics coming together, you know. It was hard to get it together. It really was. And uh, so we went through our own brokenness. We had a child out of wedlock we adopted, and that left a trauma in our lives and, and affected the foundation of our marriage for many years. But God is a God who restores. And so we have been uh, able to see... Uh, over the course of our life, as we've just prayed faithfully, we saw the laws change. We were able to make contact with our daughter. We were reconnected with her and with our, with our family. And uh, we have seen her. I was able to uh, take, the, uh, take her wedding and uh, to marry her, which is, and God came into the wedding. I was able to, we were able to pray for her together to conceive, and she had a child. We were able to lead them both to the Lord and to see them filled with the Holy Ghost and take them on a mission trip and see them get their lives delivered. So God is able to do amazing restoration works if you don't mess with it, but you lay the foundations that you need to of owning your part in the problem and putting it right. So God is amazing what he can do. And uh, so it's out of the brokenness that we went through that we began to look for answers to the problems, and we're still on a journey of learning. I don't think you ever stop learning. And uh, it's just a constant journey of learning. So um, although I'll focus around deliverance so that you do have understanding of this issue, uh, I also want you to have insight as to why this becomes a problem in people's life and to the part we play in getting free. And uh, uh, pr the problem is a lot of the, the stuff that's out on the movies just misrepresents everything. The real thing's far more spectacular because <laughs> the real thing. But there's been a huge increase in the occult and increase in supernatural and the church on the whole in the West has just lost its supernatural, uh, uh, the, what it was birthed in in the supernatural. So we've got to regain that again. And, and the supernatural needs to be just simply part of normal life. So part of what we do is teach on how to flow and move in the gifts of the Spirit, how to work with the Holy Spirit, how to, how to be sensitive to Him. And then we also work in the area of the healing deliverance to deal with the heart issues, which create the blocks and bondages and, uh, and, and have some insight into why demons get in. It's, it's still a learning process. So I want to just go through a series of scriptures now and just open some things. Uh, some of you, you'll know these things. Others... It'll just help you get an understanding of it and get a framework. And then we'll have a, a session of ministry and pray for anyone who would like to be prayed for, who would like ministry of some kind. Uh, because of the nature of the group, um, I'll, it'll be like a shotgun. I'll, I'll aim for a lot of things. So that means it'll be open for you, whatever your area is, to let God touch you. In, in a corporate meeting... There is a presence of God comes to deal with the issues that you need, even if we're not always aware of them. In a counseling area, we would approach it a little bit differently and take the problem you face and then look for the roots. I'll explain that a little bit later and give you a strategy for how to look for roots or the things that contribute to the problem. So you can walk away, at least with a personal strategy. If I've got a problem, this is where I would go looking to find out why this is there and what to do about it. 
So we'll lay out for you about Jesus' teaching on deliverance. I'll lay out for you some the doorways, the common doorways that spirits use to gain access, how they get in there, and then the part we have in getting out. So you get an overview and you'll get enough specifics that it'll trigger off within you, man, oh man, that's why that pressure's there, that's why that difficulty's there. Okay? Rightio, so let's go. So we're reading uh, 1 John, and uh, we go to 1 John. Let's have a look at 1 John, and it talks about Jesus' ministry there in 1 John uh, <coughs> chapter 3, verse 8. It says, uh, <coughs> He who sins is from the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Here it is. Now, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we see here that a key purpose behind Jesus' ministry, this purpose was he, that he, was he manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You can't destroy something that isn't there. There must be something really there if you're going to make it your life purpose to address it and to deal with it. I'm going to look at what it is and, and how it shows up in people's lives. So Jesus came, and his primary purpose was to make known the Father, the love that God has for people, and to address the problem we have, the destructive works of the devil in our lives. And in order to be able to destroy something, you have to first expose it. And so uh, a massive part of Jesus' ministry was a ministry of truth, bringing the truth to expose what is there, and then bringing power to set people free. So deliverance is a ministry that's, first of all, truth that exposes what the problems are, and secondly, uh, ministers and releases power to set people free. So before any person gets free, they need the truth. And often the truth is unpleasant, there's reactions to the truth, but the truth ultimately is what makes us aware of what, what condition we're in that we didn't realize before, why we're there, and how Jesus has come to set us free. So deliverance is a ministry. First of all, it's a ministry of truth, then it's a ministry of power. And we need both to be able to get the job done. You can't get rid of a demon just by quoting scriptures. You can only get rid of a demon by confrontation directly. And so just praying or asking God to help or praying the scriptures out will not address a demonic problem. As we'll see, the only way to address it is direct confrontation. We must arise and assert our, the authority Jesus has given us, whether it be related to our own life or related to people that we're ministering to. So in order to be able to then deal with these things, there's a need for power. So let's have a look in Acts chapter 10, Acts 10 verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now, the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes on us to empower us for ministry, but the power dimension in our life has to be cultivated and developed in our walk with God. Uh, many Christians have been anointed or baptized in the Spirit, can speak in tongues, but they carry very little power because they've not actually developed the inner life. You notice that Jesus, it said he went and had a season of prayer and fasting in the wilderness, contended with the devil, and returned in the power of the Spirit. So to have power over your life requires a diligent pursuit of God and an aligning of our life with God. And this is the key, this is where the church is lacking, is it, it's fallen to a passivity about this area of needing the power of the Spirit, and, uh, and then pursuing this, uh, diligently and directly. 
and, uh, and so on. And so it says he was not without, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So Jesus never excluded anyone from ministry. There's no one he ever left out that came to him. The, 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 the one and only requirement is people came to him in faith. And any person that comes to him in faith, he is willing to help. But you notice here it says he held all who were oppressed of the devil. The word oppress means uh, it's a word uh, from which we get the word down and the word power. So it's power to hold someone down, spiritual power, dunamis. Uh, Katadunesco is the word. It means to exercise a spiritual force and hold someone down. So even if they want to, they can't get up. Does that make sense? So, so when you think of a demon uh, operating in a person's life, they are exerting a spiritual energy. Uh, that's probably the best word I can use to describe it. There is an energy that's pressing on the person, holding them restricted. So even if they want to get free, they can't. And uh, that, that would describe it. Or it's an energy that drives a certain problem to keep repeating. We'll look at an example of it shortly. So it's an energy or a force that literally holds someone restricted, holds them down. They want to be free, but they're held down or in a place of bondage. It's like a part of the soul is imprisoned. Now, many areas of the life can be just fine, but a part is imprisoned and it's held bound. And there's an energy that uh, directs problems and, and, and fires up problems. So um, it's quite helpful to understand that. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, talks about the spirit, uh, about the prince of the power of the year, that spirit. Now notice this word, that works in the children of disobedience. The word works is the word energeo, to energize. So demons energize problems. So you can't blame everything on a demon. And we should not be blaming everything. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. You did it. You can't assign blame, as we'll see, one of the foundations for freedom is personal responsibility. The first, got to get out of this victim mentality and into ownership. That's the first step out. So the, the demons empower or energize the problems in people's life. And it's the same word that's used when it says that the Spirit of God works in us. So God works in us and energizes us. So it's a spiritual energy. It also it's the same word used where it says the word works in you who believe. It's that energizes. So I haven't got time to, to deal with that today and to, to teach you about that, of how you become energized by the Holy Ghost and how, how the word, you can use it to energize you. So the, the energy levels in your life and your whole uh, uh, thinking, everything comes up when you know what to do. But demonic spirits are exactly the opposite. They cause you to be held down and you have these drags and difficulty and pressure and you never consider it might be a spirit. The prevailing thought is something's wrong with me or it's just how I am or I can never change this. So those are the kind of common thoughts that people have. And here's the thing to realize that just as most people cannot distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit very clearly, they also don't distinguish the voice of demons clearly. And why is that? It's the same reason for both. Because it sounds like our thoughts. And we think it's our thoughts and don't use discernment, what's of God, what's of the demonic spirits, and what's our own. So, if so you'll find with demonic spirits when they're tormenting people, they not only pressure them, they also 
accuse them and put thoughts in them that, that increase hopelessness and despair. So the person feels like, that's just me, or that's my lot in life. And you, if you listen, you'll hear it. It's, it. They're always short statements, but they're statements that fill the person with despair, and there's no hope I could ever be different. Whereas, in fact, you can be different. That's what Jesus came to do. Heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Amen? So let's have a look then at the nature of the anointing and the scope of the anointing that Jesus had. You'll notice with the teaching, I'll keep it really simple, but you see it's very practical too. So it, you can actually see how it applies as we go through this. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, so it says Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So we need to talk about then, well, what is this anointing that was on him? Because it's the same anointing on us. And what, what is the anointing to do? What's it to accomplish? And if we read in Luke 4.18, Jesus spells that very clearly. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So because he has anointed me. So the anointing is always for a purpose. The Holy Ghost came on men of God for a purpose. It's to accomplish a mission. So God puts his spirit in you to change you and give you identity and to communicate with you. But he puts his spirit on you to give you power to do things, on you to empower you in ministering to people. So the anointing, uh, there's many different kinds of anointings and they flow in different ways, but all of us are called to be anointed for the purpose God called us to. And you could be in business. You're anointed in the business arena. God will give you special uh, ability to get creative ideas and have favorable connections in the business realm. Uh, or it can be in the creative area of arts. Again, God will give you ideas, creative thoughts that are original and favor to enable you to do it. You've got to do the work, but God's part is to anoint you, for, to empower you in that area. And the empowerment comes with ideas and with connections. That's how it works. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter what arena you're in, God wants to anoint you in that arena. I was a secondary school teacher, taught physics and math and science, and God anointed me greatly in that arena to be very successful and to get great results with students. So in the end, they began to all want to get into my classes because they got high success rates. So, so the anointing is an empowerment. Now, Jesus' particular anointing, which same anointing on us, had some particular things he wanted to accomplish with people. Number one, preach the gospel to the poor, which is to address the issue of man's separation from God. The first priority of God is to deal with your separation from him. So when we're going to do deliverance, you've got to deal with sin. Sin is what creates the problem. So the first priority of the anointing is to bring about reconnection with God, evangelism. Second thing is to heal the brokenhearted. Now, why, got, why is this one second? A brokenhearted person is a person who's been damaged by traumatic experiences in life. They can be traumas of life or they can be mostly they're connected with family uh, or close relationships where a person's been hurt. And as we'll see very shortly that one of the major doorways for demons to come into people's life is through the trauma of broken relationships or abusive relationships. Then the next thing, is, so in order, the healing the broken heart, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart for out of it flow the issues of your life. Most of us are not even aware of the heart, but the beliefs of your heart, the reactions in your heart, the wounds or whatever that's in your heart determine how your life will operate more than you realize. The Bible is very, very clear that your life really is a reflection of what you carry in your heart. Now, I haven't got time to develop this, but 
Let me just give you one example. I have seen uh, over and over and over the same kind of thing. I prayed for one woman and uh, she said, can you pray for me? And I said, what's the problem? She said, well, I'm trying to work out whether to marry this guy or not. I said, well, what do you tell us about him? I said, first of all, is he Christian? She said, no. I said, well, should we stop here? <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, she'd had the sexual relationship with him and uh, it had broken up and she'd gone off with some other guy and got pregnant to him and then broke up with him and then now the original guy's back again. And I said, well, here's the first thing I want to ask you. Why'd you break up? She said, well, he was unfaithful to me. I said, oh, really? Okay. Unfaithful to you. That's not a good sign. And uh, how many times are you unfaithful? You want know, three times, three different women. I said, well, that's really not a good sign. Uh, and especially since he hasn't come to Christ, he probably hasn't changed a bit. I'd say you're in for more of the same. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, we pers- she was still very keen. I could tell that she had it in the heart. That's what she wanted to do. I thought, that's very strange. I said, tell me about your dad. She said, oh, I don't see much of him. Family broke up. So oh, really? Well, tell me about that. How old were you? She told me, just a teenager. I said, well, what happened in the family? She said, well, my father was unfaithful to my mother. I said, just out of curiosity, how many times? She said, three times. I said, you have a bitter root in your heart against your father, and this bitter expectation of men betraying you is attracting this guy into your life. I said, you, you are about to have another major failure and disappointment in your life because you've never understood the connection between what, you've, what is unresolved in your heart and how it's affecting your life. And, uh, but she still didn't see it. She didn't want to see it. She just wanted the man. I said, I can't help you because you won't acknowledge the real issue here is one in your heart. And it goes right back to a broken relationship with your parents. And uh, so I felt in my heart, I'll share something on that over the weekend because this issue of honoring your parents is a crucial one upon which many relationships in life, uh, how they work out is determined. Okay then, so we'll do that Sunday night. So it'd be a great one for you to bring someone to. (laughs) So heal the brokenhearted. So God wants to heal the heart so that we can engage intimate relationships. That's why, because he made us for intimacy. So first deal with sin that separates us. Then the brokenness in the heart. Third, to proclaim deliverance to the captives. So God wants to set us free. Deliverance to the captives means to deal with the bondages, to deal with the demons that get into people's life. Uh, recovery of sight to the blind is to restore vision for what your life could be. Uh, to set it free at liberty, those who are oppressed, is to lift off the limitations, restrictions of wrong belief systems and, 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 and the things that people put on you over your life that cause you to believe, I cannot do this. So you can see there's a whole... Uh, process that Jesus wants us to go through, that's what the anointing is about, bringing people into their destiny, bringing people into the purpose of God, bringing us into fullness of activation of who we are in Christ. And it's got this aspects to it, dealing with sin and reconciling us with God where we get separated, touching the heart to heal, bringing deliverance from demons that hold us down, putting vision so we can begin to see what God wants us to do with our life, and then empowering us by lifting off the restrictions and limitations. You can see the great scope of the work of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Okay, let's have a look at a guy who was really in problem, Luke 4. We find him in Luke 4 verse 33. And in the synagogue was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come here to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him on the ground, it came out of him and did not hurt him. 
And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, What word is this? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report of him went out to every place in the surrounding region. So here's an example of deliverance. And it's, this is one man. And just in case you think it's an isolated case, you find there's a number of, of people in the Bible where it records Jesus delivered them. They were both full adults and also children. At least two situations where there were children who needed deliverance from evil spirits. So it doesn't matter what age we are, evil spirits are spiritual predators. They prey on the vulnerable, seeking to inflict harm and injury and to capture them and then control and manipulate their lives. So that kind of gives a good description of what it is. And uh, verse 40, you notice, when the sun was setting, those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on them, every one of them and healed them. And also, look at this, demons came out of many, crying out, saying, you're the Christ, the Son of God. But he rebuked them and didn't allow them to speak. They knew who he was, the Christ. So we see here two examples, one of an individual in a church setting, and the other, great crowds of people. So Jesus ministered individually, and Jesus ministered great crowds, massive numbers of people. I don't know how, because they don't give you all the details, but it may have been in big corporate deliverance, but there's certainly times when with huge crowds, he laid hands on every one of them, and they were delivered of evil spirits. And I, we've operated in both. I've been in Asia where we've had literally, how many we have, Joy? It was about 6,000 in one meeting, and the majority manifested all about the same time. So that's massive deliverance on a big scale. But we've been going there for years. It's a strong spirit life church, trained hundreds of leaders to minister to them. But there was a moment when suddenly the power of God came and stuff happened. Uh, I've been in another, another meeting in uh, Taiwan, uh, sorry, in Singapore, and, you know, 2000, and, you know, probably three quarters of them began to just manifest all at the one time as the power of God came on them. So I know that God moves in corporate power where all kinds of stuff happens we don't even know about. And then it's also on a one-to-one -one where you're working through the individual issues that a person has and giving them counseling strategies for how to build their life. It works on both levels, okay? So let's look at this guy here and see if we can just pick up a few thoughts. Uh, firstly, you notice it's in the synagogue, so it's in a church setting. You couldn't come into the synagogue except you're a believer, and so therefore this was limited to believers, the children of Abraham. So we see Jesus teach in Matthew 15 that deliverance is the children's bread. In other words, deliverance is God's provision for a person who's trusted him. A lot of Christians have a trouble with this thought, can a Christian have a demon? Well, a Christian have pretty well anything what they want. <coughs> and and the, the reasoning goes, well, you know, Holy Spirit lives in a Christian. Christian Holy Spirit can't live where a demon is, or vice versa. Therefore, a Christian can't have a demon. If you kept that arguing up, you kind of could reason that, well, the Holy Spirit can't be where sin is, so therefore the Christian can't sin. And it's foolishness. The reality is that the Holy Spirit comes to live within our spirit, but we are spirit, soul, and body. Demons occupy and oppress person's body and soul. So if you, if you can imagine uh, like the, 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 um, the, the tabernacle with the outer court, the holy place, the holiest of holies where the presence of God is, well, the, the holy place can be defiled, as can the outer, outer court. 
So our body can be in the grip of demons, our soul can be in the grip of demons, but our spirit is united with the Holy Spirit and he is limited in his expression through us because parts of our body and soul are, are held in bondage. Very simple as that. It's kind of the best explanation I can give for it. Uh, and, but there's other things in there. In, 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 in uh, Paul writing in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, said, you know, he said, I'm concerned lest having espoused you to Christ, that means they're Christians, that you receive another spirit. So very clearly it's possible for us to receive a spirit, demonic spirit, before or after we are believers. And I'll give you exactly why that can happen shortly. Okay? Okay, so, so, so Christians can have demons. Either they pick them up before they were a believer or they've picked them up since they're a believer. And it's always there's a reason. They just don't randomly get into people's lives. And uh, when a demon comes in, the worst word you can use to describe it is the word possessed. It would be helpful if you never use it. It, it just confuses it. It's, it's a wrong translation or a poor translation of a, of a Greek word that King James uses. Now, possessed by demons. Well, you kind of think, oh my goodness, you know, wow, what's that? And, uh, but the word in the Bible that's used is the word daemon, meaning a demon, daemonadzai, to have a demon. In other words, like, I have a tummy bug. I have a head cold. I have a demon. In other words, now if you have a tummy bug, your stomach's affected. Rest of you just carries on. It's miserable, but it carries on. <clears throat> if you have a head cold, then you've got a head cold and your head's miserable, but the rest of you can carry on. You have a demon, well, a part of you's affected, but the rest of you carries on. So it's, it, the word used is to have one. It's like you've got an attachment. You have a parasite. You've got something clinging to you. You've got a cling on, you know. In the case of some, you're a haunted house. <laughs> So, so it's helpful just to get language for this because the language possessed is just, I just eliminate it. I never use the word except explaining why you shouldn't use the word because the word really is to have a demon, meaning to have a part of your life afflicted, held down, limited or restricted or under conflict and bondage. That's what it means. And so that makes it easy to understand how it's quite possible for a Christian to have uh, quite a, a, a good life in many areas of their life, yet a part of it, they're deeply troubled and in bondage and can't get free. For example, pornography. You know, multitudes of Christians being snared now in the trap of pornography, and they've got a quiet addiction going on on the side, yet they love the Lord, and other parts of their life uh, they're trying to, to run. The only problem with strongholds is they don't stay static. They tend to try and increase to ruin everything else. They want to advance, as we'll see shortly. Okay, so, uh, so this man is a, is a Christian. He's a believer, sorry. And uh, he said he had a spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice. So the man has got a, a problem in his life. And the most likely problem he's got is sexual problem. The, the reason we know that uh, is because the demon's an unclean demon. So most likely it's a sexual demon. It's a spirit of lust of some kind or an unclean spirit associated with some sexual practice. So it doesn't explain a lot in there, but from experience we, we, we would understand that at some point he has opened his life up for an unclean spirit to come in. Now he could have opened it up many ways. He could have been sexually abused. He may have been molested by another man. 
may have been molested by a woman, may have been involved with a prostitute, may have been exposed to some sexual things in a perverse society that he lived in, or he may have been involved in some form of idolatry at some point or occult practice. Anyway, whatever it is, an unclean spirit had come in and now was a part of his life. Now, his life was miserable because the unclean spirit, remember we said, would hold him down from being free and would energize in him certain things. Now, God has given us a sexual drive. It's part of who we are. And so he would find his sexual drive energized highly and in a perverse way. So what he'd be struggling with, constant unclean pictures coming into his mind, constant images of sexual experiences coming back to his mind, constant lusting in his eyes every time he saw a woman, and falling into sexual sin of some kind regularly. So he was troubled by a spirit and was not clean or free in that area of his life. And the dilemma is these things, because they become secret, just flow over and defile and undermine every other part of intimacy in relationship. So this guy was quite tormented. Now, when he, he possibly didn't realize he had a demon. He, uh, often people don't realize. What's the last people think you got? Have I got a demon? I don't know. How would you know? Well, you've got to ask the question, have you got an area in your life which you're not free, a problem, you put it well, a cycling problem that you can't get rid of? That's the most likely demon energized. And uh, so he had this problem. Anyway, he comes in, and in the presence of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, suddenly the spirit begins to manifest. Now, remember what we said, that before you could uh, deal with something, you've got to expose it. And, and part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring these things out in the open. And so in this particular case, the demon manifested its presence. That manifested by literally expressing itself through the guy's body, started to rant and rave and shout in the meeting. Now, you don't have that happen too often. We have it happen from time to time. And uh, uh, it always catches me by surprise. Sometimes it happens out in the community. Sometimes it happens in church meetings. Uh, it'll happen quite frequently when we do major deliverance stuff up in Asia. It's in a meeting up in Taiwan, uh, in Singapore, and I just was talking about the Holy Spirit. I hadn't even got started. And the door opens, burst, literally burst open. You know, there's quite a, there's a big congregation. There's about 2,000 there, and, and sloped up there, and we're just there and preaching away, just sharing away. And, and suddenly the door bursts open. It wasn't just open, it burst open, and this Chinese woman appeared there holding a broom. And, and she began to shake the broom at me, you know, like this. And she's yelling out, why you come here? Why you do this to me? Why you come here? Why you do this to me? And because everyone's shocked, you know, don't, don't it always happen in church like that. Sort of, and uh, I kind of like it when those things happen. It's sort of, young people love it when those things happen. That's the best meeting we've had in months, you know. Someone starts yelling out and fussing, demon manifest. So I, I, I thought, well, I'll just walk towards her. So I began to walk towards her. And then I, as soon as I did, I could, feel other, I could see other people starting to manifest. So if I do that, it's all on. And I want to have a, a preach the gospel and get people saved so we can have it all on later. So I just said, it's, I just said everyone, it's just a spirit manifesting. And so manifestation come all kinds. I've had people, I remember in one, one church in Singapore, now, you've got these nice chairs. These are hooked together. Now, the ones weren't hooked together. And we're just talking about the Holy Spirit. And next thing, is a brethren church of all churches. And next thing, this guy begins to bounce up and down with the chair. Now, he's holding it. I've tried it. You just can't do it. It's physically impossible to... You try it. He bounced up and down on the spot in the chair. 
And, and of course, everyone sort of, you know, how do you preach when someone's jumping up and down? They're not jumping up. The whole chair's he's up the chair, and it's bouncing up and down like this. And, and of course, you can't ignore it. I say, well, there's a demon manifesting over there. Well, with that, he, was the chair, he, he stayed on the chair, bounced out into the aisle, and then bounced all the way to the back of the room. Now, that's got everyone's attention. So... Anyway, I said, my son was there. I said, Colin, could you go sort him out? And the moment my son moved towards him, he leapt out of the chair, began to run. So now I'm watching, we're in this meeting, and my son is chasing this man around the room. Now, this is a brethren church. They're not used to this kind of stuff. Anyway, he got set free in the church. The majority, about 80% of them, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church moved. Become, it's become a great church. been great. So all kinds of things can happen. I remember being in a church in, in uh, Indonesia, and my first, and we had about 2,000 in the meeting. It was a big meeting. And, uh, and three witch doctors came to do a challenge. And what they, they'd heard that there was power meeting going on, and they wanted to steal my power, steal the power of the Holy Ghost. How can you do that? It's impossible. And uh, so they came to the meeting. So they stood up in the meeting to do their cursing, and they were in agreement, and I didn't even see it happen. It happened so quick. I was looking that way, and they were up and they were down straight away. The power of God hit them and threw them on the floor. They could not get up. And they were stuck on the floor. And I just had no, I did not even see it. It was that quick. They leapt up to have their go. And then they were thrown down just as quickly as they leapt up. And I'd looked this way and I missed it altogether. And, and of course, as I could see kerfuffle going on, but I didn't know what was going on there. But this, and these three guys call out of the church. And someone told my son, he went around and, and confronted one, got the demon out of it. The guy came up in the altar call, got saved. So this stuff can happen. Okay, here we go. Notice the demons, they recognize who Jesus is. They've got a voice. Leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So demons can recognize. They recognize Jesus. They also recognize those who walk in his name. They are able to recognize you. They know very clearly you're a believer. And as we'll see a little later, they can recognize the condition of your life, whether you're walking with the Lord in the anointing of the Spirit or whether your life is a compromised, backslidden life. They can recognize it. They can tell your condition. And so <clears throat> Jesus, notice how Jesus dealt with the demon. Very simply, it's confrontation. He didn't read a scripture. He didn't pray a prayer. He just spoke directly to the spirit. To deal with a demon, you must verbally confront it. You have to exercise authority. And he just spoke straight, strong, direct, clear, confronted it out. And the demon came out. It didn't come out willingly. It came out reluctantly, so the Bible says it threw him on the ground, but he wasn't hurt. So sometimes when people get set free, demons can manifest. It's not necessary that happen, just sometimes it happens. And I think in this situation, uh, it was drawing attention to the very fact of who Jesus was. That's why I want to shut it down. He would not let the demons bear witness of him. And so great, great, great passage, isn't it? And the guy was set free. So he went home that day and he's completely free. Let's just read a little bit more. Let's have a look in Mark, Matthew chapter 12. I want to share with you a bit on uh, what Jesus taught on deliverance. Then we'll get on to have a look at uh, dealing with the root issues and how demons get in. And I'll, I'll share with you in the second session some of the common ways they get in and then uh, what you've, our part in getting free. <laughs> Okay, so let's have a look here in G Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. 12, verse 28. And here it is. It said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, Jesus just done a deliverance. He just delivered a boy who was blind. Uh, was he mute? And he was blind. So he couldn't speak, couldn't see. As soon as the demon left him, he could both speak 
and see. So the, this, he was afflicted in his body. The demon actually gave him a condition in his body that he could not be healed of. Uh, it was caused by the demon being present. The moment the demon left, the condition immediately uh, left him and he could both speak and he could see. Now, no, Jesus said this. He said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come. So deliverance is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. It's a manifestation. Of the, we pray thy kingdom come. Well, one aspect of that is deliverance. The kingdom coming is when God's authority and power displaces demonic spirits and the kingdom has arrived. So healing is a manifestation of the kingdom. Deliverance is a manifestation of the kingdom. Someone gets saved, manifestation of the kingdom. You get a breakthrough, it's a manifestation of the kingdom. So deliverance is a manifestation of the kingdom, and it always requires a person to work with the Holy Spirit, if I, by the Spirit of God. So it requires a person work with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't do deliverance unless the Holy Spirit comes. See, the power behind it is the Holy Spirit. And so uh, deliverance requires a person to represent Jesus Christ, to exercise a command on his behalf, and to have the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so that means faith is required, because only by faith can we see the power of God. We only have access to God and the power of God by faith. You have to believe that when you speak, something will happen, that when you command, the Holy Ghost will come with you. So there's a faith dimension involved in this. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. So deliverance is the kingdom of heaven coming. It's a manifestation of the working of miracles because it's supernatural. It requires the Holy Spirit to come in power, and it can only be done if a person exercises faith and challenges the demon. Any ideas? That's deliverance. Now, let's go down and, and see what happens. Well, what about when the demons come out? What happens then? You know, where can he go? Can you all be wondering that if I cast a demon out of someone when he come into me? That's what most people think. They're saying, well, they get into me. You know, who knows? Well, may do. <laughs> no, no, let just, I want to show you what happens here. And uh, verse 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house in which I've come. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept in order. And he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. It'll be also, so shall it be also with this generation, wicked generation. Now, here's the, the things to see. When unclean spirit goes out of a man, so spirits can enter and they can be made to leave. So when the person ent a demon enters, the person begins to have problems they can't manage. When the demon exits the person, there's a release of pressure and they can now manage the problem but they have to do that. They've got to get their life right, begin to take ownership of their life again. Got the idea? It's like someone let you out, but you've now got to exercise your responsibility to walk in freedom. So, so notice when, it, when a demon goes out. So when a spirit goes out of a person, it goes out reluctantly, and it says it goes through dry places. In other words, it goes away anywhere where the Holy Ghost is. It goes to a different direction. So it goes away, dry places, a wilderness place, any place the anointing's not there. And it says, it said, the demon seeking rest. Now, the Bible's not clear where demons come from, so we won't speculate in the session. I've got some of my thoughts about it, but, we, but just, it helps if you just realize a demon is a spirit being. It's an evil spirit being. Now, you are a spirit being living in a body. A demon is a spirit being of a different kind. It's still a spirit being. So therefore, it doesn't die. 
so you may die. The spirit doesn't die, it just leaves you. Just like when you die, you don't just vanish. Your spirit and soul go to be with the Lord if you're a believer. All that happens is your body no longer sustains life. So a demon or an evil spirit doesn't die. It just moves from one person to another, and it's always looking for someone to get into. They're looking for a body to express themselves. Any idea? And so when a demon it seeks rest. doesn't mean seeking to lie down. It's seeking someone to get into. So demons are looking all the time for some host. They're looking to get into a person's life. They're seeking proactively. Notice also they have personality. It says he, he says. In other words, they can speak. He thinks. He has a plan. He has a will. There's all the aspects of personality. So a demon is an evil spirit being. They have different shapes. They can look and represent animals, uh, weird creatures or ugly beings. And of course, Hollywood, inspired by the demonic much of it, is uh, great at representing possibly what they look like. Uh, if you go to cultures where there's idolatry, you'll see that inevitably they're ugly, distorted creatures and beings. Horrible. And uh, most of the idols you see are quite ugly in appearance. I haven't really seen any idols that looked attractive. The majority look quite ugly because they're inspired by demonic spirits working on their authors. Uh, idols usually have a demon come into it and, and live in it. So it seeks rest. So the places that a demon will seek, it'll seek to get into a person primarily. It can go and live in a house or a building. So that's why you, you, you need to, when you buy a house or a property or a, an apartment, just pray through it to cleanse it of any invitations for spirits to come in or anything because you can have some problems in the house cold spots, oppression, heaviness, conflict, sicknesses, uh, relationship breakdowns, uh, just because there's a demon present in the house. And uh, that can happen because there's been a trauma, like a murder. I noticed just, do you notice what they did when that guy that held those people captive for all those years? They destroy the house because they don't know how to cleanse it. But everyone kind of knows that's a bad place. There's bad vibes there. So people got all kinds of language for it. But basically, the whole house has become demonized because of the horrendous crimes committed over a period of time. And people not knowing what to do with it tend to burn the house down or destroy it. So you find often there's been a murder or a couple of murders in the house. Someone will come and set it on fire and burn it down because they intuitively know it's bad and evil and fear it or want revenge on whatever's happened. Anyway, you can cleanse houses. They can be cleansed. Uh, but when there's huge trauma, it gets right into these spirits just invade it. So spirits can get into houses or buildings. They can get into objects like carvings, idols, things like that, things used in the occult, Freemasonry, that kind of stuff, pornography. Demons can live in them. They use them as a focal point to gain access to people's life. Uh, but mostly they want to get into people. Notice it says, it says, I will return to my house. The demons are legalists. They, they claim a right to get into your, your body. If they've been there a long time, they will claim a legal right to get there. And we're going to look at that just in the next session. So uh, the Bible says your body is the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That these are not, um, these are sayings. So when you understand that a demon is going to claim your body too, then you begin to realize, actually, I need to know who I am. I am a temple for the Holy Spirit. I have yielded my life to Christ. His spirit lives within me. Demons, you have no power, no right to be within me. Any idea? And uh, so 
uh, he said, he come and, he, and as soon as he comes back to his house, I will return to my house. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. So here's a disturbing thing, is that once you've been delivered, the demon can find you again. Now that's a bit disturbing. And not only that, it can determine your spiritual condition. It sees what condition you're in. Now when we look at one another, we've got no idea much of spiritual condition. Because we look from the flesh. We just look and we see a person and we see the out. Well, actually, what we do is we see the house the person lives in, but we don't see the person. But from a demon point of view, spirit world point of view, they look at the person. They don't see the house. They see the person. So it's just where you're looking from. But we look at one another. We just see the house. So you can't tell the condition of the person inside from a demon that the house is like a lot of water vapor, and they just see the condition of the person, and they know whether they can get into that house or not. So they're able to recognize and discern your condition. If you've given them grounds, they are able to find a way back. And notice the last thing that's a deep concern is that demons communicate with one another and work together to try and increase the level of bondage in a person's life. So it's not enough just to get delivered of a demon. You have to get your life aligned with the kingdom and be proactive in walking with God. Get the idea? A lot of people come up, yeah, I got a problem, please fix me. No, 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 no. You know, no, it's not going to work like that. You've got to identify what your responsibility is and your part in reaching out to Jesus, who's the Savior, and to come to him to get your deliverance and also to walk with him. See, it's about walking with God, not just about coming up and getting a fix-up. And uh, my observation is that when people come for a fix-up, they usually don't get fixed up for long, if at all. They get prayed for, nothing much happens to go back, still got their problem because they haven't met the conditions. They're waiting for someone to do something to them to make their life better rather than owning their life and saying, what well, I need to do to make my life different. Get the idea? And, this, and we promote this very, very strongly, this aspect of being responsible for your life and making good choices. And uh, so, anyway, let's keep going. So, go a little bit further. So, when demons get into people, well, of course, how would you know if you've got a demon? Uh, it, once the demon's got it, how would you know if you've got a demon? There's several ways. The, the first way, if you are having spiritual manifestations in, around your life, in other words, you've got weird stuff happening, you know, like objects move, you know, lights go on and off, you hear noises and sounds, you see uh, visions or pictures or demons, you, you find that at night time you wake up with tormenting dreams or you find like you feel like someone's got their hands around your throat in the night or you feel you're, about, you're being molested sexually at night but there's no one there. The, these are all occultic manifestations. They're manifestations that some spirit is either in your house or upon your life and uh, that's one of the, those are the most simple ones because occultic spirits, they're very evident that it's a demon. I remember having someone come to me, they rung me up, said, oh, Pastor, you gotta, can you come to our house? It's, it, we're, there's ghosts in the house. I said, oh, I'd love to come. And uh, <laughs> so we went there to the house. And, uh, and sure enough, while I'm there, you can actually hear the noise in the other part of the house. And they're freaked out. There's a woman and a man she's living with and this daughter, her daughter and another man he's, she's got. So it's a bit of a mess anyway. So anyway, they're here. So can you hear it? Can you hear it? I can hear it. Sure enough, I can hear doors banging and there's no one else in the house. You can hear the bang, bang, you know, the stuff. I thought, well, this is great. And, uh, and, I, and they said, hey, do something, do something. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I want to know why the thing is here. I want to find out why it's here. It's come with one of you. So let's find out who it is. Let's ask a few questions. 
So whose is the house? What's the mother's place? Said, well, you know, how long the daughter been there? And her boyfriend been there? Well, only a little while. I said, well, when did this start? Well, it, it started when they came. Okay. <laughs> well, we've got it worked out then. It's not with the mum and the boyfriend. It's with the daughter and with her boyfriend. So let's have a talk about that. So we asked a few more questions. You know, well, how long is it? Well, it was in our last place that we were living in. Okay. So when you came here, it followed you. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, I said, all right, well, it's got to, then it means it's attached to one or other of you. So you just got to find out which ones. Had either been involved in the occult? They said, no. Okay, then. So the girl, have you ever have you been involved in a sexual relationship with someone in the occult? She said, yes, my last boyfriend. I said, I guess that ended pretty badly, did it? She said, yes, it did. I said, did he curse you as you left? She said, yes, he did. I said, you're the doorway. I said, the demon is with you. I said, you've got an occultic spirit assigned to your life because you became one when you were sexually involved with this man. And you gave this thing a legal right to your life. So I said, and then he's cursed you as well. So I said, this is where the spirits come from. And so we were able to lead them all to repentance, which they're very glad to do because they're scared out of their wits. And uh, there was nothing like seeing the reality. There's a real spirit world, you know. There's a heaven and a hell. It's real, you know. Jesus is real. So are these other things. And uh, so they, they were very glad to come to Jesus and uh, get set free. And so we need to realize then the importance of getting your life right, the importance of owning responsibility. So one way that you can tell demons are there is this, the most obvious thing is you're having weird stuff happen. And uh, um, a second way uh, is repeated patterns of things happening in your life. Now, I'll touch on that a little bit more when we look at some of the, the doorways of entry. Uh, but uh, recurring problems in your mind uh, that you can't get over, recurring problems in your emotions, fears, uh, rejection, anxieties, all kinds of things happening in the emotional area, or repeated sicknesses or chronic sickness that won't go can be rooted in a demonic spirit and may need to be, you may need deliverance just to get free. So we found many people have got freed. Once the demons went out of them, they got immediately freed. For others, there was more involved than that. So you can tell by the fruit. So if there's a problem will not go away, and it's a persistent cyclic problem, chances are there's a demonic spirit behind it. So that will lead us then to, well, how on earth do they get in? So I'll just give you an overview, and then the next session we'll go into it in a bit more detail, and then how you get free. And then the third session, we'll just minister to you. So let me just give you one scripture here. Uh, now, now, I'm going to give you one, yeah, one in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issue of life. So it's our responsibility to guard our inner life. This is what Jesus said in verse uh, 20. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are in peace. One stronger than him comes upon him and overcomes him. He takes him as all his armor he trusted and divides the spoils. Now, Jesus is talking. The context is deliverance. And he talks about a strong man, meaning the lead spirit, the strong spirit in your life. He's talking about armor. And then he's talking about, in that thing there, he talks about removing the armor. So let me just give you it really simply. Often a person has more than one spirit in their life, but there's always one that was the door opener, the strong man. The strong man is the one that's the prevailing problem. You want to know the strong man? Ask the question, what's my prevailing problem? And working with that will be other spirits. That's the strong man. And it says, while he's fully armed, 
he can control and manipulate and keep the house. So you've got to remove the armor. Armor is what conceals someone or protects them from being hurt. So Jesus is saying this, if you want to deal with a person who's, who's struggling with demonic spirits, identify the strong man or what is the problem the person is facing, then remove the armor, remove those things that give the demons right to be there or grounds to be there. Remove that. Then set them free. So if you try and just do deliverance but don't actually deal with the reasons the spirit is there, the person... One, usually doesn't get free, and two, doesn't stay free because the reasons the demon is there have not been addressed. So this is always a problem because people come up in altar calls and they want you to fix them rather than actually what is it in your life that needs to be addressed, can we deal with that? So just to summarize, uh, and we'll just one, one more scripture and then we'll finish the session. Ephesians 4.27, Ephesians 4.27 it says, give no opportunity or place to the devil. You know the scripture well? It's talking in the context of our warfare. It's talking in the context of living a Christian life and victory. And it's talking in the context of about ways we behave. And he says, don't be angry. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Neither let the sun go down on your anger. So then he says, neither give place to the devil. So everyone knows a believer can be angry. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, 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 we know. He'll be angry. So it's okay to be angry, all right? Uh, but the Bible's concerned about how we handle our anger, that we don't turn it into sin, and that we don't uh, end the day and go to bed sleeping on the anger. So just, you got, he says, it's okay to be angry, but sort it out the same day. Don't let, it, don't let it breathe, because then he says, neither give place to the devil. So anger and unresolved anger is one of the key doorways the demons used to get in. But notice, neither give place. The word place is the word topos, a ground, a legal right, an opportunity. So saying, don't give a demon a right to gain access to your life, a legal ground that he can come in, and he has, you can't resist him because he's actually got the right to be there. Legal right means, I got the right to be there. You sinned and broke the law, I got the right to be there. And that's how God uh, seems to work. The, the, the kingdom of God, you obey the laws of God, you walk in life and blessing, you break the laws, you're a transgressor, that's where demons can operate. So if you're walking in the light and walking in the ways of God and walking in the anointing of the Spirit, the only power the demons got is the power of influence to suggest that there's a better way to live. Why don't you break the law, come out here and really have some fun? And once you step outside and break the law, now he's got the right to be there and access your life. So when, when, when before you fall into sin, the power is one of influence and temptation. Afterwards, he has a right to gain access. And once you gain access, then try and build the problem so it becomes a huge issue. So don't give a place to the devil. So different ministers describe it in different ways, and I'm not. I mean, there's lots of ways people look at it. But I like to have things really easy so I can... See, I understand it, and I can work with it. So it would appear to me that, and people divide it into two grounds, or one ground, or one list, or three lists, or four lists. Let me just give it in a simple way. Number one, legal rights or sin issues give demons a door in. And I'll explain that in more detail and list these in a little bit more detail for you next session. Sin. When you sin, you create an opportunity, a legal right for a door to come in. That's number one. Number two, the second doorway that demons used to get in, this is a very common one, and I've come to realize it's far more, 
it's a bigger problem when we're real, than I'd realized. And that is the issue of trauma or painful experiences of life. Trauma experiences are significant doorways for demons to come in. Now, they ride in on the pain that you experienced when you went through some difficult time or season in your life. And I'll identify some for you so this becomes quite specific and you know exactly what we're talking about. So trauma, when a person is hurt, you know, even a car accident, for example, your body goes into shock, your soul goes into shock, your mind goes into shock. In those conditions, a demon can enter in just like that. But it may not even be that. There can be other things. So traumatic experiences or painful experiences, and I'll identify some of these for you in the next session, so then it puts in more detail. And then the third way that they come in is, is, the, is when we react or the ways we react to painful experiences of life. See, so that leads to sin. So the, the whole three are interconnected. One, sinning that creates legal rights. Two, trauma experiences. Something happened that was bad, wasn't necessarily our fault, it just happened to us because we live in a sinful, bad world. And then how we react to that, we're responsible for how we react. Not responsible for the trauma that happened, we're responsible for how we react. And the ways we react can open up legal grounds for demons to come in, and then you get this block of things all operating together. And usually what happens if someone's had a trauma is they're so focused on blaming someone or something else, they lose sight completely of how they've reacted, what they've done that's created the grounds for the demon to come in. And so I found that those kind of three headings, when you kind of get a clear picture of them, uh, well, have you sinned, you know? Okay, was there been any trauma experiences? Well, how did you respond to that? What went on inside you to handle that pain? That's where, instead of trusting Christ, we find our own way of managing the problem, and that leads to new issues in our life. Get the idea? So when we're coming to deal with people, helps if you're aware of those three kind of general areas, and uh, I'll give them a little bit more detail so you can get a clearer picture of that. And then we'll look at just some of the grounds for how you can get set free, and then we'll have an opportunity for ministry. Okay, so take a break then.